The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. We have a wonderful guest with us today, Linda Dunkel, who is President and CEO of Interaction Associates, IA, as it's commonly called, is an employee-owned organization, and it's known for its research and pioneering in collaborative problem-solving and decision-making. Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, great to be here, Cheryl. Well, it's good to have you. Now, where are you today? (laughs) Today, I'm where you are, I think. I'm in San Francisco. Actually, we have an office here right in the city on Kearney Street, and my husband and I, luckily, are out here together for the next three to four months working on a project with the company. It's a beautiful day in San Francisco today. Well, I am in San Francisco along with I you today, so. and it is gorgeous. We are liking this. This is Chamber of Commerce weather, isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. This is when the tourists come and they think summer's like this all summer, and it really isn't. <laughs> yeah, right. A little secret. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So today, um, we're very fortunate to have you with us, and you know, I had the opportunity to meet you when we were in Bali at the Bali Institute Conference. Right. And that was a couple of years ago. I think it was 2007. I think that's right. And um, it was a great conference, and then you were one of the presenters and did a fabulous job um, with a, with a great group of people. We just had a terrific time together. We came together looking at um, business and leadership and, you know, how we incorporate some of the um, finer distinctions of leading with heart into mm. business. And I, I, I so appreciated your approach and your style. And my guess is that this is really who you are, and this really prompted your work from the beginning with Interaction Associates. So talk to us a little bit about the beginning. So how did you get to IA? How did IA get created? (laughs) Great. Yeah, I am reflecting on Bali myself, and just to say that was a magnificent experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did meet there, and uh, for your listeners, I mean, it's, uh, for people who've been to Bali, this wonderful island in Indonesia, which is the largest Muslim country in the world, it's such an interesting microcosm of what I think is possible in the world when people learn to collaborate and be with one another in some fundamentally different ways. So it was a fantastic um, cauldron, if you will, for that gathering, and 
we did have a chance to work with these wonderful, many of them young people, young women and men from Southeast Asia as well as from other countries who had come in there to explore their own leadership and what it means to be a leader in the 21st century. So what a fantastic experience that was, and it was great that we that we could meet there. So uh, it actually, I so appreciate what, you, what you've had to say. Interaction Associates appeared in my life uh, 15 years ago. This company happens to be 40 years old. And at the time, I was uh, a vice president of the AMR Corporation, which was uh, the parent company, or is the parent company of American Airlines. And I was getting uh, remarried and wanted to change my life. I'd been traveling all over the world and uh, m- many times out of the country for months at a time, uh, lo- longer than I was uh, at home. And uh, so I was beginning to look, and a good friend of mine said to me, you know, you really should look at this little company that's uh, somewhat, sort of quote, under the radar screen, headquartered up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And it's such an interesting firm with a mission in the world that I think you'd like. And so I, I did begin to talk with the company and, quite frankly, couldn't believe that there was a company that seemed to be in such I guess, synchronicity with my own view on the world and my own belief system. And um, the company at that time was a small partnership, um, and the, the mission of the company is essentially to help individuals, I'll just say it for you, to help individuals and organizations and communities achieve their most noble aspiration Mm. by transferring the skills and demonstrating the power of collaborative action. And I thought, wow, this just um, speaks to me. And, And the company itself was already at that time, 15 years ago, a very, um, a collaborative organization with a tremendous commitment to stakeholder voice and was run collaboratively. At that time, anytime we'd interview someone, they would talk to everyone in the company. And if anyone said, oh, I have a problem here, they wouldn't get in. Oh. <laughs> it, was a, it was really almost to the extreme, but it was, it was very valuable, um, uh, that whole process was. But the company itself um, had a, a very good benefits for all the employees, everyone was treated in an egalitarian manner, and we actually had the roles of the presidency that would rotate every several years. So you would hire someone who you might work for later. And it was um, it was just the kind of culture that was appealing to me, uh, Cheryl. I've never been very hierarchical and actually was only at AMR for five years. I had joined them as a after being a consultant there to help with a strategic plan and then came in to work inside. And um, I appreciate hierarchy, but I, I think we've, in so many cases in our business world, we've created caste systems that don't always serve. And so finding finding an organization that was not only different itself but was helping other organizations learn to work differently was very appealing to me. So I did come to IA 15 years ago, and i um, told somebody it's you know, you know the old rest uh, rest in peace. I found the the place here that'll be my uh, uh-huh. my resting place. I think you'll have to probably have to kick me out of here. But uh, I've I've loved every minute of it. It's um, it, it's really uh, it's really worked for me, and it's an honor to be able to serve uh, in the role I'm in right now at the company. Okay, mm-hmm. oh, that sounds so unique, to, especially compared to some of the corporate structures that exist these days. Um, you mentioned 
your own view on the world and, and described it beautifully. I'm wondering, how did that develop? You know, I mean, as you were becoming a young adult and in moving into the workplace, how did this belief, egalitarian preference, how did this develop in you? Oh, you know, it's a really good question. I've, uh, I've thought about that. Um, actually, I, uh, I'm a child of the '60s. Uh, you know, I really grew up and graduated from college. I'm, the, I'm one of the baby boomers. I'm yeah. 62, and I graduated from college in the late '60s. And um, I grew up um, in a small town. I was born in a small town in East Texas, mm-hmm. called Paris, Texas. I don't think we talked about this uh, no. before. Um, it's a uh, a, a little town of about twenty-five to thirty thousand people, and uh, actually, this whole area of Texas—I would say this eastern part—has been a, uh, an area that's had a mixed bag in terms of race relations mm. for a number of years. And as I as I grew up in this town, while I um, love so many people who are there, I will say that the racial conflict that I saw as a young person there, uh, which I so knew in my heart was wrong just from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it was offensive to me. And um, and I was very influenced by Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, early on, I was um, uh, very influenced by Eugene McGovern and that campaign in the 60s. So um, it just was in my... Um, really in my fiber that to treat anyone other than as an equal human being on the planet together was just fundamentally incorrect. Yeah. And um, so it, it goes, I think it goes back to those days. And even though I, if you had asked me when I was 11 years old, I, thought, I don't think I could have put my finger on it, but sure. I would have said, you know, I heard someone tell a joke the other day and that wasn't right. And so it wasn't funny to me. It was like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and um, it took me, you know, some more maturing, I think, to be able to label some things that I was exposed to. So I don't want to paint this, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a lovely area of the country. And even today there are stories of, um, of some opportunities for improvement in that part of the country in the area of race relations. I think there's a lot to, to be done. So I'd trace it to that. Well, and, you know, that really speaks to how um, we are imprinted as kids and the importance of experiences as kids and within families. And um, sometimes I think I think as a culture we don't always pay attention to that, you know, that we are really shaping the adults of the future and, and thus shaping the future for the country, for the world. Um, and so, you know, I wonder about how then that translates into um, working with people inside organizations, you know, um, as employees, as partners, um, how you set up the structure and the expectations, just like someone in a family would, um, imprints individuals, and then they carry that through in their life and out into the world and into other organizations if they move on. And I was really interested to learn that Interaction Associates is employee-owned. We are employee-owned, and uh, I think you bring up a very uh, good point. Um, the, 
I really believe that we have such an opportunity in organizations through our values statements and our translation of values into action to make to make a statement about who we are and what we believe and what we think to be right action. And I know many companies go through the process of saying, okay, these are our uh, major values. We've rediscovered them or we put a stake in the ground around them and sometimes they go on little laminated cards and um, they are not necessarily arrived at in a collaborative manner. But it, when it's done properly in an organization of, of, of any size, if you can really get uh, to the to the root of the issue and say, these are the values that we hold to be true. And by the way, here's what it means in action. Mm. And if you can actually take it to that point, which we've done the work of inside Interaction Associates for our own company so that we can help other companies do this, then we can say, um, okay, this, this really means something, and let's find people who are, who are being good examples of this and acknowledge them. And then, by the way, if we see someone doing something that we would say would be contradictory, we want to have not the big boss or not someone in the hierarchy say something, but we want peers to be able to say, hey, you know that thing you just did there? I'd like to talk with you about um, how, in my judgment, uh, that may be um, a violation of our values. So, for example, at Interaction Associates, one of our values, just to go back to this point I was making Cheryl, one of our values is human dignity. Right. And we basically say, okay, in practice, that means giving honest feedback to others, even when it may be hard. It means telling the truth to power, even when that may be difficult. It means hiring for these kind of characteristics. It means never telling um, a joke or making fun of any group at the expense of another group. It means never doing that. So we've just put a stake in the ground and said, here's here's what it means to us. And we're not, this is not about being a, a necessarily any kind of religious affiliation or anything else. Right. We think it's just right action. And I don't want us to sound like we're saints here because we're not, but we certainly are trying to practice what we believe to be good action that we can model for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we believe in this ripple effect, you know, that you that you start something and you never know where. Right. where it may catch on and how others may um, may follow that. And to follow your the last part of your comment, we, uh, we are an employee-owned company. One of our other values, we have seven of them, one of the other ones is uh, stakeholder voice. We strongly believe uh, in an organization where individuals have a right to say what's important about the work that they do. So they have a right to help shape it and help form it and and significantly be a part of it. So in April of this year, we were able to consummate the ESOP um, legal structure for us as an organization, which means we are now 100% employee-owned and really, I have to say, very jazzed about this. It's, oh, uh, it's exciting for us as a little uh, a little group to be doing this um, doing this ourselves. We think it's um, we think we're going to learn a lot from this, um, and it's uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Oh, that's fantastic! Well, we have more to talk about with Linda Dunkel when we come right back. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. More and more business people recognize the importance of spirituality in their work. How do busy professionals discover what rings true for them? Embracing the journey with Karen Humphrey Salad explores what it means to be spiritually fulfilled in business and how to integrate spiritual direction into a career. Expert guests, authors, and inspiring speakers join Karen every week to discuss such issues as honesty, compassion, generosity, ethics, and integrity in the workplace. Take a positive step forward to greater life balance. Tune into Embracing the Journey with Karen Humphrey Salad, broadcasting every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. From the stock market floor to your laptop, we are Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're back. We're speaking with Linda Dunkel today, President and CEO of Interaction Associates. Linda, in our last segment, I was very excited to hear you talk about how you are, how you are living the values that um, you and the organization have set out, um, and that these values actually shape the work that you engage in as an organization and as individuals. So. It sounds to me like what happens then is the, if the work is being shaped by values that are agreed upon by all of you, the commitment to the work must be huge by individuals in the organization. It is, it is huge. Uh, in fact, it's, uh, I've used the term seductive uh, uh-huh. for our organization and our work. And um, we actually are in a very fortunate position, I guess you could say, in that we have to watch big time for burnout because our consultants um, who are road warriors and we go where our clients are and we have, a, I think, a strong spirit of service, um, if we're not careful, we find people going so over their, their designated um, number of billable days, for example, for the, for the year that we, um, you know, we can risk people's health and all the rest of it. So it's, uh, the, work, the work is... Uh, is in a way seductive um, if if we have the right people who really love what we're doing, and I would say we're fortunate to do that. We have both a internal cadre of people and then an external group of folks who've either retired from our our company and want to work part time with us, or they were perhaps in a client system and now they're out on their own and have affiliated back with us mm-hmm. and enjoy doing the work. So, a, a commitment is not one of our uh, problems. <laughs> not one of our <laughs> not one of our problems. We we use a framework in working with clients that's a, uh, what we think is our sort of our formula for how you can um, put together an organization that really works, and it's composed of. Um, sort of three connecting circles, direction, commitment, and capability. And we think if you can architect your organization so that you've got all the directional strategy, business model, all of that 
stuff taken care of, and you can run the company in a way that drives commitment, which we think there's a direct connection with proper involvement. If you can help create, in other words, an environment where people want to bring themselves to the party because they're not only bringing their voice, you're paying attention to their voice, and their voice really matters. And then you can build the capability that's required to do the individual jobs. That's a, a bingo, we would say. So right, right. we also try to work with our clients in that uh, in those three arenas. Well, you know, in this time where we are, in um, as the corporate model is, I think it's disintegrating. Um, I think for a long time it hasn't really been as useful to um, commerce as it perhaps was when it began. Um, you know, it sounds like there's a lot that the corporate world could learn from this model that you are, you have designed for Interaction Associates and that you are actually living in. And yet what we know is that not all organizations are going to end up being employee-owned. So, you know, how best can an organization like a big corporation apply these, this strategy, these, this structure, and have a successful outcome? Well, it's a great question. You know, I think there are many innovations that we're seeing uh, now, actually, in companies large, midsize, and small. So while it may not have swept the world yet, we are seeing a lot of innovation, and there's a movement that John Mackey out of Whole Foods, Mm -hmm. and actually Bill Gates and a number of other folks have been involved in, we've been involved in it uh, as well, which is called Conscious Capitalism. And I think uh, we talked a little bit about this in Bali, actually, and the Bali Institute, I think, is uh, working some in this arena. Um, So I um, I think that's a movement to watch. And it actually goes to some of the underlying beliefs about who are the key stakeholders that a commercial for-profit organization is tending to. Mm-hmm. And what there are all these philosophical questions out there around what's the role of the uh, owner, the ownership, and what what does it mean to have fiduciary responsibility? What's the what's the significance to the employee? What's the significant to the cu- significance to the customer and to all of those in your supply chain. So this conscious capitalism movement, I think, is something that uh, we're going to see a a lot more of in the 21st century. I I think with some of the bad things that have happened, you know, Bernie Madoff just got his 150-year sentence yesterday with a very strong message on the front page of the Wall Street Journal today about the message of evil needs to be uh, clearly uh, sent to others and communicated through this through this sentencing. With that kind of activity, I think we're also seeing a lot more boards of directors and their compensation committees mm-hmm. and their um, succession committees working differently or beginning to get a message that um, that this will not stand over time. So, so we're seeing um, you know we're seeing a lot at the at the top levels, and I think. Many organizations are out looking for creative models. Yep. You know, just to build on one thing about our company here, another thing I'm very proud of, which is that way back in 1993, we created our own nonprofit. 
uh, called the Interaction Institute for Social Change. We found that we were doing so much work in the for-profit world and the non-profit world. We were trying to figure out, are, are we a church or a business ourselves? <laughs> what are we trying to do here? That we said, look, let's just uh, create a, a 501c3 and see if we can develop a model that others might want to copy. And we have seen a few people copy this. Um, so I could tell you about it real quickly. We, we basically um, set up uh, this 501c3, so it's an arm's length relationship tax-wise and every other way. Uh, however, we're connected in four basic uh, connect points to this nonprofit. Uh, first off, um, we give them 10% of our pre-tax um, monies every year to help fund their organization. Um, secondly, all of our employees at Interaction give 10 days of pro bono work a year It's on everyone's performance plan. And at least five of those days are work that we do for the Institute. And the Institute does what Interaction does in the world, only in the field of nonprofits with NGOs and with, uh, with others at a, at a reduced cost, almost at, at cost, actually to people who could never afford to have these services otherwise. Right. Um, and they do a, we do a lot of work through the Institute globally. Um, the third thing we do is uh, give them all of our rights to all of our intellectual property in perpetuity. And then fourth, we have in our bylaws a, um, a clause that says if something happens to us, to interaction, that uh, there'd be a payoff to the Institute so they'd be in good financial stead. So we've really uh, legally... And ethically, I think, set up this relationship with a nonprofit that helps allows people in our company to um, um, execute on their own uh, desires for um, giving back and doing this in a way that's set up as a sustainable entity rather than one project this year, another project next year, or just giving money or uh, you know all the many good things that can be done. We said let's let's see if we can do this in a sustainable way and really get this integrated into a, a two-way partnership. And it's by the way we get as much back from the institute as we give. We get uh, their their work with intellectual property. We get uh, all sorts of um, I'd say fair exchange. Um, it's a fair exchange both both ways, and uh, we gives us a chance to practice collaboration in a unique way inside the uh, broader family of interaction, if you will. Mm -hmm. So give us an example of some of the work that is carried out by the Institute. Okay, okay, great. Um, yeah, they're very focused on social justice, mm -hmm. and um, one example would be that a couple of months ago, uh, I think six or eight people from our Institute office out of Cambridge went to Cairo in Egypt and basically, there was a collection, I believe this was funded by the Ford Foundation, there was a collection of many NGOs, nonprofits from around the world who came together in Cairo to discuss how the organizations that are focused on social justice in the world, how they can begin to collaborate better with the shortage of funds and the enormous challenges that are out there. What we did, what the Institute did, was essentially design the meeting. They interviewed all the key stakeholders, put together a fabulous agenda, and then facilitated the meeting, actually ran the meeting in Cairo, uh, as well as participated in small breakout groups to add content expertise. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're, the Institute, just like IA, is known for convening very um, 
dis- sometimes disparate and sometimes aligned different groups in the world, bringing them together and helping them figure out how they can ultimately, this is going to sound simple, but it, we know it's not simple, ultimately build understanding and agreements mm-hmm. so that they can take concerted action. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's a lot of what we spend our time doing, help, helping people build understanding among themselves and then get to agreements and then ultimately take concerted action. Mm-hmm. Simple but not simplistic. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. And, you know, as I hear you say this, I think, you know, we need this all over the world. We do need it all over the world. It seems like if we only did this, the world would be a better place. Thank you so much. I totally, you know, totally agree. We're a little bit of a well-kept secret, and we're mm-hmm. on a campaign this year in our 40th year to, um, in a certain way, come out a little more in the world mm-hmm. and have people know about us. Mm-hmm. Uh, i give you one other example uh, on our work with the Institute. Several of us inside Interaction as part of our volunteer work, are spending time in Israel working with a group of Israelis and Palestinians, helping them learn how to lead differently, how to think differently and lead differently. It's a form of collaborative leadership we call facilitative leadership. Mm -hmm. And our goal is to build 100 grassroots leaders who think differently and come at their leadership differently and we hope that will make an enormous change there. Now, it's, you know, again, it's grassroots. A lot of our work is grassroots. Mm-hmm. And we think, however, that those of us operating at the grassroots are far ahead of most institutions. We're at, we're, I think this, this great power of all of us out there, like you, like me, like others, like us, you know, we're, we're ahead of the governments. We're ahead of the businesses in, our, in many ways in, in terms of our thinking and our our actions. So if we can get mobilized in certain ways, we, we we can change the way the world works. I firmly believe that. I absolutely agree with you, Linda. I think that um, the private sector and the actions of individuals are really what make a difference. And if each individual would do something like this, then the organizations would have no choice but to take up the call and, and move forward with some of these things. Um, And I'd like to talk more about that um, when we come back right after this break. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. Here you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. 
The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity, but being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Markets with Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The Economy and the Markets, clear thoughts in a complex world. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Linda Dunkel today, CEO of Interaction Associates. Linda, we were talking a lot about um, you know how individuals can make a difference in the world, and that individuals and you know forward thinkers are a bit ahead of a lot of organizations and a lot of governments. Um, you had mentioned that um, you were working with a grassroots group um, of Palestinians and Israelis to look at how they may lead in a different way. So tell us how that even came about. Sure. Yeah, this um, actually came about through the vision of one of the people in our company, uh, a good friend of mine and a past president of Interaction Associates, a man named Barry Rosen, who has had this dream for a number of years. And ultimately, he connected with a group called Shatil and struck up a um, a relationship with them via some friends of his in Israel mm-hmm. and went after some funding and was able to get a little bit of funding through the Shatil organization and I think uh, the power of a dream uh, is a very it's uh, not to be underestimated uh, yeah. he's been able to I think just by speaking with people and by sharing his own vision uh, really get a, a group of people who are uh, interested in what he had to say and then some bringing together uh, some some folks who have gone through a couple of these experiences, and then I believe success breeds success. You find some people who think, "Oh my gosh, this is something we could really use here." They've told others, and he's. We've actually trained a couple of hundred people, and we think out of that group, we probably have ten to twenty solid, committed leaders who said, yes, I'm taking this forward in my own life, whether I'm leading at a university or I'm in private industry or I'm in government, um, I'm in an NGO, whatever I might be in. And so um, so this actually, interesting that you asked that question, This, I think this specific initiative is a great example of the power of an individual with a vision, with a commitment, who's willing to just keep keep there with the persistence Mm-hmm. And and the belief that uh, even if he carries it so far and somebody else picks it up, um, that's fine too. As uh, as the Dalai Lama would say, right? You you take it as far as you can take it, and if you finish, great. If you don't, you know that someone else will pick up that mantle. So right. so that's how that's happened. Uh, that specific situation in that's Israel. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I've heard um, that 
you guys have had, I don't know if you still do, but you've had in the past, um, some type of co-leadership, some type of either co-presidency or um, where you change um, leaders um, every couple of years or something like that. Am I, do I remember Well, that we part? have, I can tell you what you're thinking about there. Yes, in the past we have had, uh, when the company was organized as a partnership, mm-hmm. we have had um, a practice of leaders serving for five years and then rotate in the presidency and then rotating out and coming back, then continuing with the company and working uh, in a different role, whether it be as a consultant or um, being in charge of product development or research and development or whatever it might be. We're very... Um, we're very oriented, as I was saying earlier, to this egalitarian right. approach. And, for example, I'm president and CEO right now, and I'm sure that within a couple of years I intend to rotate mm-hmm. out, of, out of this role. And, but I don't want to leave the company. I right. intend to work for and give my very best to whoever is then running the show here. And um, so that's it's morphed a little bit, but it's the essence of what you're speaking about. It is still the same, and it, from from the way we run the company, we have uh, just to say we do have a board of directors. I sit on the board along with um, uh, eight other people. It's a nine person board, and seven of those are internal directors. Mm-hmm. So in a certain way, this is very um, I call it spaghetti ish. <laughs> I, I am on the board, uh, and I report to the board mm-hmm. in my role as president and CEO, mm-hmm. uh, and then certain people report to me who are also on the board. So you could say, whoa, doesn't that create something that's pretty unusual? It does. It requires very high-level behavior and an ability for all of us to say, in what role am I operating at this current moment? Right, right. In this conversation, what role are you in and what role am I in? And for us to be able to honor the respective roles and to adapt, um, it's it's very, very interesting. And then I'll just say the last thing on this is we have an ESOP council, which we're actually just now completing, which consists of internal employees who are not on the board or who are not in a leadership role, not on the executive team, and they serve as um, an additional voice. One of them sits on our board, is an ex-officio non-voting member, and they help us be sure we're always hearing the voice, the multiple voices um, that are out there. So we do have multiple organized vehicles right now, if you will, to help be certain that we are uh, practicing what we call maximum appropriate involvement uh, inside the company. So it makes me wonder, Linda, about how you exactly you guys do that, because even in large corporations, when um, the CEO is chairman of the board, there's lots of controversy around, even though that CEO is um, um, reports to the board, um, there's a lot of controversy about how the board may not... Um, step in at times yeah. and they disagree, et cetera. Yeah. And of course, these days there's lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of stories around that. Um, and, and so what is it you actually, I mean, it's all well and good to say, you know, we really are careful about which hat we're wearing, yeah. et cetera. Yeah, yeah. But how do you deal with just some of the basic human factors in that? Yeah, it's, well, you've labeled it. there. It's clearly not without its challenge. And, again, I'm not trying to make this sound like we're perfect, but, but we have learned a lot, and I will say, 
there are a couple of key practices that come to our rescue. Uh, one is that we practice this agreement building mm-hmm. technology that I was speaking about earlier. I call it a technology. It's a, it's a human interaction practice, which is ultimately what we teach others how to do. So we're very big on uh, building agreements with each other, and we're, we're also very big on giving feedback to one another and requesting feedback. And without that, there is no way this could work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and and we don't always make it work perfectly. When there are dilemmas, we try to surface them and use the um, again the skills that we teach others mm-hmm. to be able to say, for example, um, uh, uh, ex- externalizing one's left hand column. You know, being able to speak what I'm thinking right now, yeah, and to have have common language that we can use where we can just say, hey, time out. Let me just speak my left-hand column right now. Tell me, tell me if I'm off or where am I on with this. And in, in a way, what we do is help people make the invisible visible. Right. So if we can continue to practice that ourselves, even when we stumble and make mistakes, we're better consultants for our, uh, our clients. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you bring up a really good point, um, Cheryl, because... In companies today, I'm sure you've seen this, we see it with the, as you were saying, hierarchy. We were talking about hierarchy a little bit earlier and some of the great great things about hierarchy and how necessary it is and then how it can get in the way. With the advent of the matrix in organizations, right. you know, I want to write a book, so maybe it says, Welcome to the Matrix, because the, <laughs> the advent of the old infamous dotted line... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. So, Linda, where do you sit? Well, you're dotted line to this person, solid line to this person. And in some cases, we work with clients who now have what they call double solid lines. So for most individuals and organizations trying to navigate their way through, what does that mean? And if I'm not completely responsible, I mean, I'm accountable, but I don't have all the responsibility. I have to lead through influence. I have to somehow be able to manage this. Well, really... It calls for collaboration, and if agreements are the uh, currency of collaboration, which we think they are, then how one builds agreements with others becomes really, really important. And so there'd be no way we could pull this off, if, in my judgment, if we weren't uh, using ourselves as a learning laboratory mm-hmm. at, at the same time. And because we are, because as, as a rule, I'd say most people in the company are not uh, power hungry. I think most people in our company are here from a more the servant leadership uh, bias and approach. I think this uh, tends to work better. Speaking speaking of Greenleaf's work, meaning servant leadership from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm very curious about um, kind of the longevity of the people who come to work at interact- interaction. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I want to talk a bit more about that and um, kind of how you see people dealing with their own internal conflict as they make change from other types of organizations into IA. And we'll talk more about that when we come right back. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking with Linda Dunkel today, CEO of Interaction Associates. So, Linda, let's talk a bit about um, what happens when people come from other organizations into Interaction Associates, into this new culture. And, you know, do they have, um, even though they've signed up for this, do they have culture shock? Do they go through some adjustment <laughs> period? Uh, yes, generally that's what happens. <laughs> they do. Uh, they do. You know, we are a workplace that believes in diversity and we honor diversity and we try to hire for diversity in all ways one can think of the meaning of that word. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't want you to think we're like the Stepford Wives or the Stepford family here. But we do believe in practicing a certain group of core tools mm-hmm. that we um, use as we consult with our clients and as we go into the world. So what we do with with folks when they join us, they have a development path, and somewhere over their first six months, they'll be going through some of our packaged programs or some of what we call boot camps where they get to practice such things as building agreement. Many times people join us and they've never even heard that language They've never really thought at the molecular level, like, how, how do I go about building agreements? Is, you mean there's something I can learn about this? And there absolutely is. So, so we go through a process of giving people a chance to try some of these tools on for size, practice them. They see things modeled in our company. And, um, f- for example, in addition to building agreements, when we make decisions in the company, one of the things I try to do and everyone in our leadership team or anyone who's leading a team or an initiative tries to do is always clarify decision, something as simple as decision-making processes. So how is this, what's the decision that we're going to make today or what's the decision that needs to be made and how are we going to make that decision? It's a very strategic, that specific little tidbit is a very strategic move that a leader can make to externalize their thinking, to make what sometimes is invisible visible. It's a transparency move that I think is sort of the secret sauce, really, for collaborative leaders. So we practice that, and so people get to see it modeled. They experience it. Um, 
um, I, I will say people who've come from a more hierarchical world um, sometimes I think have to live with this for a while and, and really know that when we ask for an opinion or I ask for opinion, I really want to know. Right. You know, and so they have to go through, I think, the experience of maybe pushing themselves a little bit right. to, to test it out and see, oh, my gosh, nobody killed me for saying that. And, wow, look at that. I said something, and it really changed someone's uh-huh. opinion. They were influenced by that. So, again, it's not so much what's, what you say as it is how you live and how you behave. And at the end of the day, you know, we human beings are very smart little critters. We know how to adapt to a culture. And um, so I believe, I believe cultures are very fragile, um, we've had a couple of times in the history of the company where we've, um, you know, where we've had um, some situations that have been really tough for us to deal with, and it's it's been up to all of us to step in and say, wait, 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 you know, that's not quite right. Let's mm-hmm. let's rewrite our ship here. Mm-hmm. So, in answer to your question, yeah, but people as a rule who come and stay with us love it. Our average tenure is set a little over seven years or people inside the company. And, and, you know, I have a belief that there's some people who are going to come and find their home here, like I have, and be here a long time. And then there are many people who may come and stay with us for four or five years, uh, and we want them to learn everything they can while they're here. I I think of it like like an MBA, an interpersonal skill set, and emotional intelligence. And then when they cycle out of our company, we hope they take what they've learned and take that to their next organization and help right. share it with others. Right. That's, that's the perspective I have on it uh, uh, from a people standpoint. So we just have a couple minutes left, and I'm curious, Linda, how you see um, the world of work unfolding, you know, in the next 20 years. You know, what's going to be important? In, because clearly we are on a path of change, and nobody's quite sure where that's headed. We don't know the end point. Um, And so the classic model of developing change where it's like know where you're going and then, you know, develop it. I think in the form of of that work takes and in the form that organizations takes, nobody really knows what that end point is. So what do you think is going to happen? What's your perspective? Oh, I love to think about the future. I, I, I wish I could live in the next hundred years to be here to see. Um, so what? Uh, well, I think there are a couple of trends that are very clear. One is that the concept of egalitarianism and voice is here to stay. Now, some people would call it democracy; others would have different names for it. But clearly, um, the power of an individual through the internet, which of course is an enormous enabler, and through um, uh, other vehicles is is here to stay. So I think um, you know Tom Friedman had it when he said the world is flat. I think yeah. that's that's clear. That's happening, and I believe it's only going to become more of a phenomenon for us. So I think uh, you know Desmond Tutu would say at the end of the day we're all brothers and sisters. We're one family. We better realize it. Um, I think that's clear. I think from a leadership standpoint. Uh, the intersection of leaders and sustainability, the very, very big theme. And I think one of the things we actually play in that space and try to help help um, the leaders we work with understand what what the big issues are around thinking, that, thinking of the world not as a place that we um, 
inhabit and take from, but as a place that we all need to cherish, is I think that attitude uh, has to has to win over <laughs> because it's a very small planet in, in many ways that we inhabit. And how we think about the entire globe, the bottom of the pyramid, as well as the top of top of the pyramid. I think we're going to see dramatic changes that way. I think business will change. Uh, my big hope is that we will become much more egalitarian in businesses. And while I um, appreciate the real work of Adam Smith, um, you know, profit, I think profit is a good thing. I think if we can have enlightened self-interest mm-hmm. um, with uh, charitable hearts and open minds about uh, human dignity and how we work with one another uh, and understand that, um, you know, we're all only as good as the weakest uh, among us. I I think that kind of thinking has to carry the day. I'm, um, you know, I'm a a big believer. I actually had a little quote with me of uh, Martin Luther King. I thought I might have a chance to say it. Maybe I could uh, say it for you here. Quickly. Uh, I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. That's Martin Luther King, uh, Mm, Jr. It's a very powerful quotation for me, Um, and I um, I think we can practice that in business and help lead the way. Well, you are inspiring, Linda Dunkel. We are so appreciative of you having been here today with us. Now, I know you have encouraged people to um, contact you in the past, so how would you like them to reach you now? Well, I, I think our website is probably the best way. It's www.interactionassociates.com. And Great. And um, that will be on our website, so people can go to alexaconsulting.com to learn more about how to contact Linda. Linda, thanks so much. It's been a great show, and it's really evident that you lead with dignity. We hope you come back again and talk with us more. Thank you. I'd love to. Great. So remember, everyone, to think big, because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Espazito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 